Welcome to episode 5 of Have a Blessed Gay, your weekly spiritual comedy podcast. I am your ho, Lee Host, Tyler Martin. A quick thank you to my new subscribers, reviewers, and people who have reached out to me. I cannot tell you how much it means to have you on this journey with me. And if you haven't done any of that yet, please do so. I would love to have you be a part of this with us. Now for today's episode, I am excited, a little terrified, and maybe ever so slightly titillated because this is my first time riding solo. This being the very last day of Pride Month, I thought it was a perfect time to share more about me and my story. Like, why do I have a spiritual comedy podcast? Well, I'm about to let you know. So let me take some obnoxiously deep breaths and unclench my butt cheeks, cause babe... We're about to get vulnerable, with a capital V, which rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. Stands for motherfucking pool. I'm gonna openly share my journey with you, explain why I'm so horny for religion and spirituality, and tell you how Jesus himself helped me come out. So come on, y'all, and let's get to it. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at BetterHelp help.com slash bless gay to check it out and get what 10% off the best part is you don't even have to leave your house they offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor video calls phone calls real-time chat and direct messaging all counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board in other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash gay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash gay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash gay. So I recently moved apartments. Y'all, I drove a U-Haul in Manhattan. I parallel parked a U-Haul in Manhattan. For a gay guy, that is like the ultimate accomplishment in trying to get their straight dad's approval. Am I right? Parallel parking a U-Haul in a major city? Come on. So once we get it all moved, I started unpacking, which really equates to me going through all my junk and trying to throw away as much crap as possible. Which actually equates to me silently crying as I go down memory lane. I started reminiscing over old photos, my favorite teenage Hot Topic skinny jeans, and just a ton of other random memorabilia that I've collected since childhood. And I'm going through this one busted plastic container that I keep forgetting to replace and pull out a pile of old theater t-shirts followed by a bundle of concert bracelets 
And then underneath an old journal that I only use like nine pages of, I see a green paperback book that I've had since I was 16, still in mint condition. The book is called Giant Killers, written by the right-wing conservative piece of shit, Dennis Jernigan. My parents gave me this book after coming out to them as gay in hopes it would help me face my giants, aka liking boys, and give me the skills to conquer those giants. In the book, it gives tips on how to kill one's giants, just like David did when faced with Goliath. Among the examples of giants are drug addictions, lying, and homosexuality. Dennis Jernigan, the self-righteous dick himself, claims to be a quote-unquote ex-gay. Yeah, giving hope to all the gay sinners out in the world. And hope to all the gay sinners' parents. I grew up in a lower-class, goodwill-loving, very religious family that is oozing with ministers. I had a grandfather that was a minister, an uncle that was a minister, two brothers that were ministers, a brother-in-law, well, you get the idea. Specifically, Christian ministers. Specifically, Church of Christ ministers. Which, if you don't know, is kind of like Southern Baptist but slightly less outward aggression and more condescending passive aggression. Shockingly enough, being gay is not considered a good thing within the church. I know. And to add a little more salt to the wound, I was raised in the Texas town called, are you ready for it? White Settlement. You know, where the whites settled, otherwise known as colonization, otherwise known as gentrification, otherwise known as Whole Foods. Except there was nothing that nice in white settlement. No, and it was not the best place for little gay Tyler. And it seemed a lot worse after I came out to my parents. Fearing their child would burn in hell for all eternity, they engulfed my world with anti-gay rhetoric, giving me books, suggesting movies, and taking me to churches where the ministers would damn anyone living a homosexual lifestyle. One of my all-time favorite sermons, I recall, was where the minister of a Texas megachurch compared gay men to wild dogs, not able to control their urges, and proceeded to speak as a gay man, but in a dog-like voice. Uh-huh. Very empowering. But here's the tea. I was a damn good kid. I never cheated, never stole, never did any drugs, didn't drink, and I didn't even have sex until I was almost 18 which oddly seems like an accomplishment. I tried to please everyone around me, and I sought approval from anyone who would give it to me. Specifically, I wanted so badly to be loved and accepted by my parents. However, more importantly, I wanted to be loved and accepted by God. You see, I actually really loved church. It was amazing to belt my face off, shouting my love for God and Jesus, I was the first in my Bible school class to know all the books of the Bible. Take that, Austin. And when there were those awkwardly long pauses for the congregation to pray, I was a kid that actually took that time to pray. And one of the things that I would pray for, please, Lord, make me not gay. You see, I knew from a very young age that I was gay. So long before my parents started freaking out about it, I had already been freaking out about it. I do think it must have been scary for my parents to think about losing their son to hell. I do. But I also think it might have been scarier for me, the one who thought he would reside in hell. 
I was absolutely terrified. As young as nine or ten, I would sneak to my family computer at night when everyone else was asleep and search these existential questions like, is being gay a sin? I would stay up late night after night grasping my Bible, praying through tears. I couldn't understand how being gay was a sin. I mean, come on. Jesus was obviously a-okay with the homosexual lifestyle. Look at him. Surrounded by 12 guys, his female bestie, and his messed up mom? That is practically the plot of Queer as Folk. Since I was young, I've been absolutely obsessed with Jesus. I mean, he's the ultimate bad boy. Gorgeous long wavy hair, an eight pack of abs, and rebelling against authority? Uh, yeah please. Second to Kelly Clarkson, he was my idol. And in a way, I saw myself as Jesus. And I mean that in the least narcissistic way possible. Let me explain. Like him, I questioned and disagreed with what was being taught around me. I looked around at my church and saw the sea of white faces. I saw how my church taught women to be silent and how the women would simply follow suit. I heard my church say generic phrases about helping those less fortunate, usually implying people of color. I saw ministers guilt their congregation into putting as much money as they could in the tray, then afterward hear the elders gripe about how stingy everyone was in their offices. It was all an act. None of it was real. None of it actually had anything to do with spirituality. I remember one Sunday in particular. As a family member preached his sermon, he cued a single beautiful tear as he spoke about some inspirational story. Afterward, shook hands with each member of the congregation with a perfect smile plastered on his face. Then, at home, asked for critiques about his sermon, otherwise known as a performance, poking everyone for compliments. Then, after he got enough, he went on to make fun of how the song leader's voice cracked during Amazing Grace that morning. Yeah, it was all a game. And there I was, a scared child, genuinely praying. I came out to my parents at 16, and I regret to say that I stayed in the closet for them. I was scared. Scared of losing my home, my family, and because of that, I denied the world the opportunity to get to know me. Although home life was pretty terrible, thin relationships filled with yelling matches, at least I had a home. Once I moved to college, though, I began to live life on my terms. My freshman year, I took a biblical literature class, looking at the Christian Bible as a piece of literature, not as a holy book. And it made me think, why did my parents think I was going to hell? Well, because that's what they were taught, because that's what their parents were taught. But why? Because the Bible said so? No, it actually didn't say that. And it made me realize I couldn't argue around the Bible anymore, the sole source of their fear. I had to argue through it. That class, along with all my research I had gathered as a child, finally equipped me to make my Jesus moves. WWJD, what would Jesus do? This. 
I created a humongous packet for my parents. In this packet were three sections consisting of three arguments, all biblically based. In the first section, I used the Bible to argue against homosexuality. I also used the Bible to argue against women, people of color, to promote slavery, you know, the stuff Christians avoid talking about. In the second section, I used the Bible to advocate for homosexuality, for women, for people of color, to fight against slavery, and so on. Now the last section was my section. I used it to describe my beliefs in great detail. I sent my parents this hefty packet, telling them I was going to publicly come out, that I still believed in God, and that I believed God believed in me. Later that same day, my phone buzzed. I looked down to see it was my mom calling me. My stomach clenched, and my heart began to pound against my chest, because I knew. I knew that when I answered that call, I might lose my relationship with her. I took a deep breath, and with a shaky thumb, I answered. At first, I just heard crying, which was expected. But then, to my surprise, she apologized. As she wept on the phone, she told me how she finally understood, how brainwashed by fear she had been, and how those words made her realize how she herself had even been discriminated against. Then, the next day, I received a similar call from my father. And later that fall, my parents switched to a gay-friendly church for me. They have warmly welcomed my boyfriends into their lives and have radically questioned their entire belief system. I inspired them just as Jesus had inspired me. I am so proud to say that my parents and I are extremely close now, and we've worked hard for it. But why then, if it turned out okay, why do I still have this book, Killing Giants? Why have I held on to it? When I see it, it reminds me of one of the worst times in my life, and I can't look at it without crying. I was told I was unworthy of God's love. I was told to fear myself. I was told to be ashamed of who I was, who I am. But you know what? It worked. It did push me to kill my giants. Just not the ones my parents originally wanted me to kill. This book represents the time I overcame my greatest fears. Losing myself, losing my parents, and losing my God. But here I sit recording a spiritual comedy podcast in my tiny New York City apartment with my incredible partner Enrique of eight whole years and our beautiful overly spoiled dog daughter we've had for seven years, Skeeter, who is always in pursuit of a belly rub. And despite growing up in that conservative town, broke ass poor and constantly fearful of burning in hell, here I am pursuing my dreams. This book represents how I can conquer fear. When I see this book, I feel strong. When asked if I'm religious, I say I'm more spiritual. I believe in God or whatever I want to call it that day. Energy, the universe, she, him, they, whatever. 
I'm still obsessed with Jesus, Man Crush Monday every Monday, and I literally do pray every single day. Fear can make people, well, scared. And when people are scared, they do some crazy shit. I hope anyone listening, whether you believe he is real or not, sees how Jesus questioned his faith, questioned what he was being taught. Even on the mountain before being hung on the cross, he questioned God himself. I hope that inspires you to question your fear, especially when that fear is justifying hurting others or justifying hurting yourself. Kill those giants and love yourself. I am not going to give takeaways for this episode because that just seems silly, but I will say, as I talked about in the first episode, I use comedy as a gateway to discuss difficult subject matter. I mean, after all, we're talking about the existential bullshit that keeps you awake at night. What gets your anxiety pumping so hard that you think you're having a heart attack? These subjects can be triggering for people, but using comedy can help us digest some of that trauma. It can make certain topics seem less daunting, making conversation more accessible. Sometimes we just have to laugh so we don't break the fuck down. Am I right or am I right? Yeah, I think I'm right. But most importantly, I am here to be honest and vulnerable with you, to share my journey, the positives and the negatives, to learn with you, to grow with you, and to question the shit out of this crazy world around us. And I absolutely want to hear your stories. Was there a time you were told that you didn't belong? Was there a time you were told that your God or your faith didn't accept you, didn't love you? What has your spiritual journey looked like? Write me and tell me about your experience with religion, faith, and just yourself. I am interested and would love to learn about you. My email is in the show notes. Send your stories there or just feel free to DM me. And speaking of stories, it has just been so incredible hearing the stories of my guests. And bitch, I got more where that came from. I cannot wait for you to hear the discussions that I've had with some kick-ass people headed your way, hoping you find them as impactful and enlightening as I do. If you would like to join me on this journey, and you better, please subscribe and follow. It is the best way to keep up to date and to know when new episodes drop. It's totally free and it only takes a couple of seconds and it makes a big difference for a podcast. Also rate the podcast, leave a review, comment. I will greatly appreciate your support and definitely check out the podcast on social media at have a blessed gay on all the platforms. Now, because this content is quite heavy at times, you might not be able to laugh it off. And if you are struggling and having a hard time, I want you to remember that I will always post helplines in the show notes. So please check them out and reach out if you need to. You are not alone. We are all freaking the hell out, right? Just remember this. You are special. You are purposeful. And you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all.